Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Be You with Declan Edwards. Now, you are listening to season one, episode one of our brand new series, Wizards of Wellbeing. So this is the series where I connect with people who I think are performing absolute magic in terms of people's personal development and well-being. So I bring them in as guest experts, interview them, get to go deep into their personal story, as well as get their advice and tips for how you can live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life. Now, on today's episode of the show, I'm very grateful to have Ashana Robertson. Ashana is one of our guest experts on the Pocket Coach platform. And she is an amazing, amazing soul, just such a contagious energy. We've just finished the interview and let me tell you, there are some gems that we covered today. Ashana and I went deep into things like being a high achiever and the strengths and weaknesses of that, how to give yourself space from expectations, both from other people and from yourself. And we even got a chance to get Ashana to do something that equally scared and excited her, which if you've been listening for a while, you'd know that we call it BU the green lights of life, we got Ashana to take action on a green light live on the episode. So make sure you tune in till the end to hear that because it's absolutely beautiful. So with all that said, let's welcome Ashana onto the show. Okay, we did it. We've made it onto the podcast. Uh, For those listening to quickly summarize what's just happened, uh, we learned a whole new recording platform this morning. Uh, we figured out how to use two mics instead of one, so yes. it didn't sound like Ashana was on the other side of, Hello. yeah, I was going to say the city, not even the room, <laughs> um, but we've done it. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, for those who are listening, the reason I'm so excited to have you here, which I've obviously shared in the intro and everyone already is already aware of this, but yeah. just so you know, like when you came in to be on our Pocket Coach platform, yeah. I think it was last week, Yeah, uh, came in as a guest expert and I called you with basically no warning, like... <laughs> A day or two before? Yeah, not not a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. and was yeah. just like, hey, we're doing this project, job me involved, and straight away jumped at the opportunity, super excited about it, yeah. bought this beautiful energy, this really contagious enthusiasm. Oh, thank you. Which, when I spoke to Nate, who obviously we both know, yes. the creative director, um, Nate said, so was she a pocket rocket, like when you first called her? Like, was she just like full energy, super excited, <laughs> like just seemed like it was the best thing in the world that ever happened. <laughs> And I was like, that's exactly what happened. So it's it's beautiful, I think, that you've got that sort of yeah. people know you for that energy and that spirit. Yeah. And I'd love to dive into that a bit more. But before we do, yes. um, I'd love to hand over to you and give you a chance to sort of introduce yourself. I always find rather than me mangle people's, you know, backstory. Totally. It's better to just go, hey, if you were to introduce yourself to people as you meet them. Yeah. How would you start that story? Your story, basically. It's such an interesting thing, isn't it? And because I knew we were doing this podcast today and I wanted it to be as organic as possible, I'm also the kind of person that wants to make sure that things are perfect, things are really good. And so challenges like this are really great to just drop in and practice what you preach and just to be able to go with the flow. But I was thinking about it. And when you start to describe yourself on a personal level, you kind of go to the facts first. So my name's Ashana Roberts, um, and my obviously my name's pretty unique. So I thought I would go through my introduction with describing who I am in terms of facts, and then maybe how I felt about those facts, oh, cool. which will like kind of kind of give you an insight into maybe who I am as well along the way. So my name's Ashana Roberts, and the name Ashana is actually Fijian Indian, and Ashana kind of sounds like asana, so the mm-hmm. physical yoga postures. So maybe my mum knew I was going to be a little yogi. And my age, so I am currently 25 years old, and I have a thing about my age. I feel like at times in certain professions, it has almost let me down in a way Mm -hmm. that age can be a number that people do look at and kind of equate to life experience, which I want to just dissolve Mm -hmm. completely. Mm -hmm. So whether it was in sort of more of a corporate sphere, I remember organizing and collaborating on big projects and really just taking the lead on certain scenarios and meeting up with a person in person for the first time and introducing myself and saying, hey, I'm Ashana, I'm the person you've been collaborating with. And they're like, wait, what? You are so young. Mm. And I have gotten fed up of everyone telling me I am so young because I don't feel young. I started school a year early because 
I almost started two years early because I was just so eager to learn mm. and to just do what everyone else was doing and seeing these older kids doing these things, wanting to run before I can crawl. And that's been a big thing for me as well. I always want to be those few steps ahead that I know I'm capable of being, mm. but I have to understand the journey and the process to get there. And I have to know and be happy and comfortable with taking those incremental steps so that when I walk, I'm actually capable of doing it mm. in the right way. Uh, another part about me, I am of mixed culture. So my mum's Ecuadorian and my dad is, he's Australian. He's also uh, from, uh, he's, his father was from England. His mum's from New Zealand. He grew up in England a little bit. So very sort of like English dominated on the father's side. Mm -hmm. But I have this beautiful South American culture on my mother's side. So mm -hmm. grew up speaking a bit of Spanish. So a little bit bilingual for like a two-year-old. I can tell you that I would like eggs and there's a really cool hole on the ground and I'd like to go play on the play equipment. <laughs> so, you know, like the really important stuff. Um, but that's given me a little bit of a different upbringing compared to my peers around me. So, you know, South American culture can have a lot of rules and regulations. So whether it was my age or my culture, I was like, everyone's doing all of these things that I want to be doing. Mm. Why aren't I allowed to do these things? Why do I have these things that are holding me back? Mm. But once I got to experience these things, I was like, oh, that doesn't, that actually doesn't suit who I am as a person. Mm. I'm quite happy to have not done all these things. So there's been a big thing for me growing up, having FOMO. We all know FOMO, fear of missing out. Yep. Everyone's, you know, friends were turning 18 and going out. I was 17. You know, uh, friends were allowed to go over to sleepovers. I wasn't allowed to do sleepovers. I would get picked up on the evening of a sleepover. I would get dropped off in the morning after the sleepover and I'd be the freshest person there because no one had slept all night. <laughs> um, I've also had, uh, my mum has been like a massive, massive influence in my life. So with that South American culture, it is just this beautiful nurturing space where my grandmother lives with us, my sister, my grandmother, my mother, we're like a bunch of sisters mm. and it's just this really, really sort of unique, supportive environment. And my mum has grown up with a lot of healing modalities or well, I've grown up with the healing modalities that she's been influenced by. So she's a naturopath, an iridologist, a Reiki healer, a uh, neuro-linguistic oh, neuro programmer. What was it? A, a holographic kinetic practitioner, a meditation teacher, so much stuff. So mm. she's all... Like the path I've gone on now, it's something that I tried to steer away from because it felt so natural and innate and wasn't enough of a challenge for me. It's something that's always come natural. So I thought that I was meant to do something that was a lot harder. Yeah, gotcha. Even though when I was little uh, and people would ask me what I wanted to be when I would grow up, I would write and draw a picture of this, this medicine woman. I'd say, I want to be a medicine woman like mum. That's really interesting <laughs> to see that change then because... Uh... I was reading something the other day that said we go through a process as we mature and become adults of first fighting against the fact that we're like our parents yes, and then coming to terms with <laughs> we are actually quite similar to our yeah. parents. And it's interesting to hear that sort of because it came so natural, it's like, well, hang on, it's not challenging enough therefore it's not the right path. Absolutely. I want to ask you a perspective on that. Has that been a pattern in your life in terms of the right path is the most challenging path? Absolutely. I think so. Um even in terms of how I've learned a lot of lessons within my life, mm. they have, my mum's likened me to a grasshopper, moving in leaps and bounds. And again, I think it's kind of like that phase of wanting to run before I can even crawl because I know I am capable of it. So going through these phases of, you know what, I'm going to compact maybe five years worth of learning experiences into a really tough six months, but I'm going to come out and feel like I've gained five years worth of a path on top of that. So that's where that age comes into play where I don't feel like I'm 25. I feel like I've had a lot of life experience, but then age shouldn't matter. But I think we can attract what we want into our lives and because I've created this momentum from such a young age I think in some circumstances I've attracted this desire to want to learn as much as I can sometimes as harshly as possible mm. because there is this saying uh, about how you know diamonds are created with a lot of force and a lot of pressure and I think sometimes we get caught up in that thinking that if a lesson's really hard and really harsh and is really involved and really takes a lot out of you, that you grow stronger from that each time. So I think for me, even this year, I've kind of gone into it going, hey, I don't actually need to learn in this way anymore. Mm. 
I'm capable of breaking that pattern and instead looking at my circumstances and going, okay, I could learn in this way. This is the way I've always learned in my life. Or maybe I could go at a different pace. So, but it starts from changing those habits, rewiring them, and then reprogramming what you want to cultivate in your life. And I think it really comes from what you're wanting to attract from life as well. So we, I feel like I'm not uh, particularly spiritual in the sort of uh, typical sense, but I do believe in a higher power. I do believe in uh, the power of attraction. I believe there's so much that is unexplainable, but I would like to think that what I put out is what I receive. So I have indeed found that I go, hey, universe, hit me with everything you've got. I'm ready to learn in five years worth of things in six months. Would you say you have a high achiever drive? Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's quite, it's, it's just interesting sort of seeing that, <laughs> that sort of, the commonalities, I'm sure there's people listening to this who can relate, yeah. the idea of trying to run three steps ahead, yeah. so slowing down is obviously a challenge. I'd love to pick your brain about that because I find the the polarity between that high achiever drive, run, 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 yeah. with I teach meditation, like quite <laughs> cool. I'd love to dive into that, but also that sense of, I've just noticed that people who are high achievers, one of their greatest strengths is they, they thrive in challenge. One of their greatest limitations then and drawbacks is they tend to overseek challenge. Absolutely. And be like, it has to be challenging to be worth it. So yep. that idea of slowing down or doing less or things coming easily to them. Yes. Over their head. And, and yep. I struggled with that for years. Yep. It was always, what's the hardest option here? Like if I'm going to prove myself, how much yeah. do I have to suffer first to get to it? Yep. Right? Yep. And so tell me, like run me through how that has shaped you as a person. Yep. How that shaped you professionally as well? Because I said, it's quite an interesting sort of polarity between oh. that behavioral style and then what you do. Teach me all that. Like, give me an insight into that. Absolutely. And you said something there that really sort of like sparked um, uh, a thought that popped up for me. So often, and for all those high achievers out there, you will probably be able to relate to this. That level of overachieving, of wanting to attract these sort of bigger uh, learning experiences, that's not sustainable. It just really isn't. Just like with anything in life, there needs to be this balance. Whilst there might be periods in your life that plateau and then you have these spikes up, these spikes down, these, these plateau stages in between, it's, I often say to people in, in my classes, so when teaching breath work, uh, we have three phases of the breath. So we have our inhalation, uh, our exhalation, and we have this neutral phase in between where we neither need to inhale nor exhale. In it expands the more relaxed you get. Mm. It's just like in our yin practice as well. We have a pose, we hold it for a certain period of time, and then we have what's called a rebound phase where we come out of the pose, we lay completely flat, completely still, and we allow for an integration of that pose so that we can allow the effects of that pose to take place and we can create space, a clean slate, to come into the next pose. So... I feel like with this sort of overachievement, attracting all these mm. big sort of experiences, there needs to be an understanding of this phase of integration, this mm. phase where there may be what we think is a plateau, but it's actually really, really necessary. And sometimes it's better to go at a sustainable pace rather than these huge leaps and bounds. So a little mm. thought that popped up then when yeah. you said that. <laughs> and no, I love that idea of just to, to catch on you said with obviously the phase in between and when you're lying there and you're letting that the benefits of that pose actually integrate and sink in and be embodied yeah i see that so often in this sense of you know we're full bull at the gate trying to like hustle and grind is such a popular thing these days Absolutely. on social media so you've always got to be on yeah and you're never really deeply embodying the changes that you're making no. i feel they're never becoming habit it's always the next thing the next thing the next thing yeah and that's i'll, I'll never forget someone once said to me a couple of years ago we're called human beings not human doings and it slapped Ooh. me in the face. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it was one of my coaches. He just yeah. goes, mate, you are doing so much yeah. and you're never being with it. Yeah. And it just like, it hit me so hard at the time. And it's something that I'm still learning to, to work through because for so long, my self-worth, my self-esteem, my value was based on what have I done? What yes. have I achieved? What's the outcome? Yeah. And that's, you know, obviously from a very early age learning that, Run me through, why do you think you, like, that high achiever drive sort of sparked in you? Can you sort of look back with fresh eyes and with 
the 2020 vision of retrospect? For me, I didn't necessarily have the pressures from my family to achieve really well. My family were really supportive as long as I was happy. Of course, there was uh, support to help me be driven. But for me, I've always put that pressure on myself because I've always wanted to do my very best. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it fully. And it's an interesting question because you, you try to look back and you go, where has that come from? Really, where has that come from? Like I know for my mum, my grandma, they didn't get the same opportunities that they got from, that I have been given, that they have created this life for me. My grandmother literally left her country, a third world country, to come over here to give my mum a better life. And then my mum has endeavoured to keep giving better and better lives. Like it's come down that generational line. But it's never been something that's been held over our heads. It's been something that's created awareness of be lucky that this is the opportunity you get. You know, my mum would always say, some kids don't even get food. Some kids don't have houses. Some people don't even get to go to school. So it's more so been an awareness thing that they've created. And it's even like when I it came to time to go to high school, we were looking at different options for schools. I chose my high school because when I was in year six, I chose, no, year five. Yeah, I chose my high school because they had a really good education system and they had the option to uh, travel the world through doing the International Baccalaureate rather than the HSC. So again, this overachievement, I don't want to do my HSC. A little U5 kid thinking, I don't want to do my HSC. Everyone does their HSC. I want to travel the world. Mm. I want to be able to go places. I want my options open. And I was there to learn and I was there to study. And it wasn't about making friends. Yes, I'm super social and that was really important. But my school was my school and I had my friends outside of school instead. And I, when, even when I was little and growing up, my mum bought me this book and it was called The Little Big Book of Knowledge. And it had all these sections on like every topic you could cover. And I used to make my sister play with me games where we'd play school and I'd say, give me an assignment. Pick a topic from here and ask me to do a report on it. And we would do this, we would do it back and forth and I would give her the same report. She would do the classic scribbly rhymes like, you know, I'm a kid, I'm writing a report, here you go. I would fully go and research it and I would look it up in my book and I would write a report and ask her to grade me. Mm. So <laughs> where it's come from. Maybe it's just who you are as a person as well. There's so many things that is like nature versus nurture. But I think a lot of the time maybe it's just who you are as a person because I've always been like that from a young age. I've loved learning. I've loved integrating. And maybe it is the schooling system that makes you attached to getting a certain grade, getting a sticker, getting a gold star, getting a tick. Maybe that's what encouraged the overachievement side. But maybe it's just who I am naturally as a person. And then society or the places I've been a part of have encouraged and supported and kind of really, uh, what's the word for it here? Rewarded, have rewarded that sense of overachievement. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, obviously with the opportunities that you've got, yeah. not being the same opportunities afforded to, you know, your mom and your grandmother yeah. and so on and so forth. But that never being held over your head. It's interesting to hear that it was aware but then you're the one who was putting the pressure on yourself. And I yes. think that happens so commonly where we take someone, our idea of what someone else might be thinking or expecting. Oh, yes. Right? It's like, yeah, no, but, but I need like, I need to perform well because, you know, I'm lucky to have this opportunity and because that's what my parents expect from me. But you've actually sat down and, you know, asked your parents what they expected of you. It's not the case. And so often for, for people who are listening to this episode, just that idea of challenging our own assumptions and like 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not someone else applying the pressure Yeah. to do anything or be anything or achieve anything. It's us applying the pressure. Yeah. And yet it may have been sparked somewhere by someone along the way, but we're the ones holding it over ourselves. Absolutely. So run me through, how do you start freeing yourself from that pressure? Because there's so much beauty and strength in being mm -hmm. a high achiever and having that as part of your personality and like using it but then obviously there's also drawbacks to it yeah how do you give yourself space from that well one word while you were saying this and now i try to do active listening as, as much as possible rather than i think a lot of the time sometimes people are saying things and you're already thinking oh i'm going to say this and this is what's going on and you're not listening to the person but as you were speaking one word popped up in my mind which was expectation 
So I think a big thing for this is being able to dissolve and let go of expectations, expectations that we feel are placed on us, expectations that we create for ourselves. Because essentially expectations are these ideas or versions of reality of projected outcomes that we've created in our mind of how we want a particular scenario to go. And I think in, along the way we need to let go of our attachment to our expectations and that's been a huge thing for me over the last few years. I've had a lot of really harsh lessons about expectations because when reality doesn't meet up with the expectations, you're left devastated. You feel like everything was pointing to something going a certain way but it is assumptions that maybe help to formulate these expectations. And when they do go the right way, I mean, we feel good about it for 30 seconds. It's yeah. like, oh, good, life did exactly oh, what I thought oh, it would. Awesome. And then sometimes... Next we, expectation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes we're just like, awesome, this is the evidence I needed to feel fit into that expectation, that these expectations really do work and they help me to stay driven, you know? I, and I think it's just, it's about creating this healthy relationship with your own drive versus the pressure you take on yourselves, the assumptions you make about the expectations that other people have on you. I think it's about, with anything, really opening up an, a, a line of honest, open communication. Mm. So when do we ever really check in with a friend what they expect with, from us? You know, Nate will probably tell you, a lot of the social occasions I come to, they expect me to be late. Uh, there's, there's certain little things that our friends expect of us. But for me, I don't like being late. But you would not believe the kinds of things that have happened as I'm trying to leave the house. My cat's brought in a bird. Like I've had a flat tire. Someone's parked me in and lost the keys. There are all these things that happen. And the expectation in my mind is that my friends will be disappointed. That there is this expectation of me to arrive on time. But actually their expectation of me is I will get there when I get there. And they just enjoy my company. But when do we take the time to actually ask that? Just like with a boss in a certain situation, in a certain circumstance, how can we open this honest line of communication where we actually go, okay, what is it you're actually expecting me to achieve from this or to do in this project? Because a lot of the time we think that people expect us to be juggling everything at one time, to not prioritize, you know, eating or taking a lunch break, that that is actually, you know, getting in the way of our productivity. There's all these little expectations that we place within our own mind. But have we ever thought to just check in with the people around us to see what they actually expect of us? And can we have a conversation to either make sure that their expectations are manageable, but your expectations are manageable too? Because you might say to your boss, well, I have this big project. I expect to finish it by Friday. And your boss might say, well, given everything you have on, I'm not actually expecting you to finish this until mid next week. So already it's like, oh, there's this difference in expectations. I thought you might expect me to do this by this time, but you expect it by that time. This can like allow you to be a little bit more relaxed. You're still driven, mm. but how can you turn these expectations into sort of these healthy ways for you to still be driven, still try to like achieve these goals? And you said, um, you said something really interesting earlier that I wanted to go back to as well. Um, it was about sort of goal-based achievement. That was something that sparked, uh, sparked a, little, a little, uh, little light bulb in my mind. So there's this really beautiful quote, um, and people who come to a few of my yin classes and stuff will know this is a favorite quote of mine. I can't just stop quoting it. But it talks about goal-based achievement. And it's this quote where this person is asking, what is my purpose in life? And it said that, you know, your purpose in life is revealed through your actions, your intentions and your way of being rather than goal-based achievements. So your purpose in life is not to become this successful director, to own your own company, to become the best yoga teacher in the world. It's your purpose and who you are is revealed through the interactions you might have. So maybe taking a little bit of extra time and care with someone who is struggling to shouting coffee for the person in front of you if they forget their wallet. Mm -hmm. So we get so caught up and tied into goal-based levels of achievement and I feel like we set our expectations on goal-based levels of achievement. Mm -hmm. So maybe instead with these expectations, can we make it that, make them goals instead of expectations, they're goals. And in a way, they're vehicles, right? Like it's that, that external thing is not the purpose or the, no. the actual core. It's a potential vehicle to get you there. 
Yes. And I know someone asked me recently, I think it was Josh, our, our head of marketing. Yeah. We're talking a lot about identity, how yep. a lot of people's identity and self-worth gets tied up in the external goals oh, and in absolutely. the achievement of external goals, especially if you're high achiever drive. And he said to me, mate, you don't have to answer this straight away, but if you want to, you can. How would you feel if BU went belly up? If it failed? If yeah. it just wasn't here anymore? Yeah. And you were no longer the founder of BU, you mm-hmm. know, this movement that's helping people around the world. Yeah. And it was interesting because someone had asked me that a couple of years earlier yeah. and I was terrified. Like the initial answers and the feelings that came up were <laughs> like, oh my God, like I can't even fathom that. Or who would I be without this? Exactly. What would I do with my life? What would be left? If exactly. that's gone, I'm nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and then this time around, like geez, two years after the first time someone asked me, I sat there and I went, I'd be fine. I was like, because at the end of the day, like, BU is just a vehicle for me to make an impact. Yes. But I can make an impact in my marriage. I can make an impact through what I do with health. I can make an impact yeah. just by being a good friend and a good family member. Yeah. Like, this is a vehicle, yes, to help me make an impact. But if this vehicle breaks down, there's a hundred others. That's such a like, beautiful metaphor. And I think that space, as you said, of not getting caught up in the... this It ties in everything you've been saying. A, the expectation that it has to work yeah. or you have to achieve it. Yeah. And despite what life might have as other plans and be that idea of, well, my purpose is the achievement of X. Yes. No, maybe your purpose is something deeper than that and more internal. Yeah. But that's a really nice vehicle for now. Yeah. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by us. There's no sponsors for this episode of the podcast. Now, we are an independent podcast that occasionally supports other purpose-driven brands by allowing them to come onto the show and sponsor one of the episodes. And the times when we don't have a very purpose-driven brand that we want to partner with and share and bring to you guys and really connect you with... We just choose to do this ourselves because we know the value of giving back, of helping others, and of teaching these life-changing tools and techniques that we share on the podcast each and every week. So a lot of the time, this is produced off our own love. It is a labor of love. It is a purpose-driven project, much like the entire BU movement. And that's why it means so much to me to see people like yourself tuning in each week putting what they learn into practice and using it to make a positive impact, not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you as well. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe. It is a great way to help us out and to show your support. And of course, if you do want to accelerate your personal development and well-being journey, send us a message. You can email us at grow at bucoaching.org or hit us up on any of the socials. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. Now let's get back into the podcast. Run me through, I'd love from your perspective, you mentioned the idea of checking in on expectations and yeah. having conversations yeah. and, and being really open and raw and honest with each other, which I yeah. think is very valuable yeah. to bring clarity and not have that mind reading of, I think this is what you want from me, therefore I'm going to try right? and play to that. How do you do that with yourself? How do you get the space and the check-in and the clarity when it's not a perceived expectation from outside, yeah. but it's all internal? It's it's an interesting question, isn't it? Like you there's so much that's always going on beneath the surface so any person at any point in time might have so much going on for them and you just never really know what someone's really going through for me i have quite an active mind a lot of the time i am creating these mental to-do lists and i think i'm being productive but essentially it's worry it's anxiety it's stress masking as productivity and so for myself from these i want to catch that again because there are people who are listening (laughs) who need to hear that Run me through that again, the idea okay. of productivity and stress, things like the blend of those. Right? So, a lot of the time, we think we are creating these mental to-do lists. So, we're, you know, we're, we're taking away from the present moment by thinking about, okay, when I get home, I'm going to get home at this time and I'm going to do this first and then I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do this and then and then I might go to bed and I'm going to get up early and I'm going to do that. Can you hear my voice? Mm. That does not sound peaceful, nurturing or supportive at all that's essentially worry stress anxiousness masquerading as productivity and it's all doing based again isn't it it's all that doing based. all outcome and action rather than being and you know what it's not like okay well when i get home from my work i am going to be productive 
I am going to be nurturing towards myself. I'm going to be less reactive. There's, again, it's those goal-based achievements. When I get home, I'm going to do the washing. I'm going to do, I'm going to clean the fridge. I'm going to send those emails I need to do. You have time and space to do those things. You don't need to be constantly projecting yourself into the future with this to-do list that you're constantly trying to keep up with. Because what are you doing? You're yeah. taking yourself away from what you're doing right here, right now. And this is also uh, this is also why yoga, meditation, breath work is so important, so key and so essential. And it's a big thing that I really stress in my classes. Even if we start with a meditation, whether we start with a first pose, whatever it is, as you've walked in those doors, as you're here on this mat, start to become present for every single breath. Can you imagine if you were present for every single breath throughout the day? You just would have a new perspective. You might not have taken in your surroundings. You might be thinking about, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You might not notice the beauty that's happening around you. And there's this beautiful story, and I'm probably, I'm very much so going to paraphrase this, but there's this story about this monk. And let's say he, he's been meditating for 10 years, you know, he's dedicated his life to this. He's renounced everything. His goal is to become a master. He wants to give back. He wants to serve. He wants to work on himself and help other people. And so when it comes time to meet with his master to see if he's ready to elevate to go to the next step, he's walking up to this temple and he takes off his shoes. He has his rice bowl with him. He puts his rice bowl down, walks into the temple, sees his master, tells him of all his achievements, of how he deserves to be a master as well and help other people. The master asks him one question. Which side of your shoes did you put your rice bowl? Did you put them on the left side? Did you put them on the right side? Where did you put the rice bowl? And he can't remember. Why would he have been? His focus was this, this meeting, this interaction. His focus for all this year, these years were working on himself, achieving this thing. But he wasn't present for such a thing as noticing which side of his shoes he placed his rice bowl. Like how many times have you forgotten to lock the car or walked away and thought, did I lock the car? Mm. Did I do that? Or, you know, you're, you're out and you're like, did I leave the hair straightener on? Did I turn the stove off? You weren't present. You weren't there. You were probably thinking about, okay, I need to leave now. I need to grab my lunch. I need to, need to get to work. If I leave right now, I might not miss traffic and blah, blah, blah. And it's just this really, it's anxiousness, it's stress. So a lot of the time we think we're being really forgetful. Often we're just not being there. We're not present. We're already on to the next moment. We're in the next place in our minds. So you'll often find that being more productive is by being present, by slowing down. And you can actually probably be more productive as well. Which brings us back to that space between the breaths, right? It's Absolutely. Like it's the space between yep. the tasks, between the checklist, yep. between the doing, yeah. that we can actually be. And and there's so much research around it. I know uh, long-time listeners of the podcast will have remembered on the uh, old season of the show, speaking a lot about flow and being mm. fully in the moment and losing sense of self and sense of time and yep. all the productivity benefits of that, but also the like well-being benefits of that too. Completely. It, it's quite profound. Now tell me, because I, I love that our rule of thumb is always, as we talk about it, be you make an impact, start with self. Yeah. And I love hearing firsthand your story about how you've been learning these lessons yourself and applying them to yourself. But I know that you're also quite passionate about making an impact in the lives of others. And particularly, you've been doing some amazing things lately with schools yes. and with kids and teaching this at quite an early age. Run me through, A, why that path of yeah. making an impact? And B, some of the like experiences you've had with that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell me, tell me more about that. Well, I think, I think just like with a lot of things from life, it can start from your childhood. It can start from your influence. And I am so grateful for the holistic upbringing that I've been given. On the way to school, we would have a, a prayer as such. And it's not your typical prayer. It's a centering breathwork prayer that we would do in the mornings. We would... We would be in the car. My mum would be driving us. We would also be late because my mum loved Dragon Ball Z. So on cheese TV. So we'd be late. That and is a throwback <laughs> to my past. Oh my throwback. So we'd be in the car and my mum would say, and we used to babysit um, a dear friend of mine. Um, and we'd all sit in the car 
and she'd go, okay, we're ready to center, balance ourselves, get ourselves ready for the day. And we'll begin with our prayer. And it was this really beautiful sort of mantra about how we're not going to let anything affect us, how we are not, how, what were the exact words? Yeah, it, it basically was on, along the, the lines of that we, I will not take anything in or on that is not for my highest good. It was also a forgiveness prayer we would do in the mornings as well. To, and it kind of was on the basis of to all that has offended me, I forgive. Anything that has made me sad, sorry, I forgive. Things past, things present, things future, I forgive. I let go consciously, subconsciously and superconsciously. I bless all experiences as being for my highest good and only mighty good can come to all from these experiences. We also would do some breathing where it was essentially breath retention. I didn't know what any of this was at the time, but we would breathe in for four, pause for four, breathe out for four. And we would do this and there were some other really beautiful mantras that we would have and that's how we would start our day. I don't remember as a kid anything really affecting me too much. Of course, there were like some classic experiences, you know, like a bit of bullying here and there, um, you know, some, some tough fights at school stuff. But we always had this time in the morning of I will not take anything in or on that's not for my highest good. And it's crazy thinking about this now because I have not thought about this for years. But having that, that base and that upbringing, I would love to be able to teach other parents, other kids, the same things that really helped me become the person that I am today. It doesn't mean I wasn't without harsh learning experiences or, you know, beautiful learning experiences as well. But I feel like that, that kind of base, that foundation really helped me to establish who I am and to be able to have the perspective and the view that these experiences are for my highest good. I will bless them. I will not carry any resent. And I can probably say very healthily, I do not resent a single thing or a single person. And so nowadays it's really wonderful that schools and kids are learning more and more about meditation, mindfulness, yoga, and it'll be so incredible to see how this generation grow up. Because at this time where wellness has become a focus, it's essentially looking at people our age, people older, and noticing there's something missing. There is a, a gap in our education system about preparing us for how to actually deal with life. Yes, I can do one plus one, but if someone was to yell and scream at me, how do I act with resilience to be in a space where I don't allow my self-worth to be completely shattered and look at how I can approach that opportunity uh, or even look at that situation as an opportunity for growth. Mm. So wouldn't it be amazing to have that as a foundation? So that's what I really want to share. And it's a beautiful way to connect with your inner child. Your inner ch I'm very much a big kid. Um, you can probably tell already which is why everything is the best thing ever and the funniest thing ever and I'm a pocket rocket and I'm excitable and run around as well. It's important to keep that inner child alive. Why let it die with, with what you're going through in life? It's important to keep that part of you alive. It's your creativity, your imagination. And think about how a child views the world. In a lot of yogic texts, uh, it talks about, um, well, it often links the eyes of a child that way of viewing the world with the eyes of a sage mm. because you're fully present. You're really accepting everything. And it's with uh, this beginner's mind that really is trying to learn as much as possible, trying to grasp all these opportunities. So I think it's just so important for us to teach these generations that are growing up right now because they're also going to affect the world around us. I would love to see, whoops, I would love to see how they go through life with these tools and with these techniques and knowing that they can come back to them at any time. And it's such a, it's such a great way to be. There's, you know, I've done some, some Simon Says with yoga poses and offered the opportunity for kids to make up a yoga pose or to make up a a certain type of action and they have pleasantly blown my mind with what they've come up with it's so creative it's so inventive and that's wonderful and it, I think it's so important to cultivate and encourage that so that throughout the rest of their lives they continue in this really beautiful way with this blueprint mm. and I, I it's 
It's the most important thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to give back. It, it really <laughs> is. And something I know I'm very excited about discussing more this year and obviously looking at partnering together the Absolutely. stuff that we do with teachers and our professionals in the education space yeah. and what you do for the kids. Amazing. Don't go anywhere. The best is yet to come. Stay tuned. Now, you and I could talk forever because, <laughs> so long. A, we both like talking and B, we are on the same wavelength. Absolutely. But we are nearing the, the end of the episode and I know I hinted at the start that we're going to start trying something new on the uh, Wizards <laughs> yes. of Wellbeing episodes where in my, my little book here, my little special book, I'm excited. I chose 25 random questions mm-hmm. this morning and you can have five of them. Amazing. And so you'll choose five numbers and then... Rapid fire answers, like under 30 seconds, first thoughts that come to mind. Yep. What's your first number? Uh, two. Cool. Let's go, yeah, let's go straight away. Yeah, let's straight away. Cool. Yep. What's a guilty pleasure song in your life? Oh, it's one I'm currently listening to the moment and it's called Boys by Lizzo and it's just, it's so boppy and it's just, if I was to ever do drag or do like a pole dancing performance or just something that really just allowed me to let loose, it would be that. It's just got such a vibe and yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Perfect. Next number. What, what's your next number? Uh, I'm going to go three. Three. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? First one that comes to mind. You always miss 100% of the shots you never take. Oh, I love that. Wayne Gretzky. And I've probably added a few words in there because I do that with talking, but it's such an important thing to view that if something's coming up, and it was even with recording this series, you know, the the breathwork series, I even got in my head and was like, you know what? I'm too nervous. I can't do it. I, I don't think I can do it. But you give it a go. Mm. You might, you might fail. You might, but it's not failing. It's, you might have an outcome which is not favorable, but you can learn from that. You can try again. So always give something a go. I think that's just so key. Amazing. Third number. Nine. Nine. Um, name a book that's positively shaped you. Oh, there are so many. I believe What's the first one that, the first one that pops to mind it's such it's such a classic um and it's by Eckhart Tolle and it was oh I'm trying to it's a blue book I'm trying to remember the uh the title of it Eckhart Tolle it's gonna spring back at the most it's random gonna, time it's gonna spring back at the most and then you'll just time. yell it into the microphone <laughs> Or even it's going to be like as I'm leaving and I'm going to yell out in the street, hey, this is like what it is. I feel like it's on my bookshelf. <laughs> it's, it's on every – and this is why it's so annoying me right it's now. The power of now. The power of there now. I was going to say it's such a classic. And my first response was, don't say that. Everyone says that. That's everyone's like favorite book. Like that's where you like really got some stuff. I have not even read it yet. It's – on my bookshelf, it's, I have I, that many that are lined up in my to-read list that I just sort too. of pull with whatever comes to mind. Or I just have like half-read half books yep. um, here and there. But the time, and I think this is why it popped up into my mind at the time that I was reading it. So I think I'd mentioned to you mm-hmm. um, off-air that I did work in nightclubs. So mm-hmm. at 20, I was the functions and events manager of a nightclub in the Cross in Sydney, which is a lot of responsibility, completely different lifestyle to what I have now. And... At the time, I got the book, and I can remember this one night talking about the power of now, about how we don't actually have to have all of these thoughts in our mind, these thoughts that we talked about before that are actually stress, anxiety, um, masquerading as productivity. And I had this one night where I sat outside in my backyard, and I was looking at the stars, and I had not a single thought in my mind, not a single thought for what felt like a good 10 minutes and then all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm not thinking about anything. That's so cool. I wonder if I can not think about anything. Oh, damn it, I'm thinking again. <laughs> but that one point in my life, I don't think I've had another moment like that, uh, that that was so profound in that no realizations came up, that I didn't get any answers to anything. Nothing happened. Literally nothing happened. And that's the point, I think. Yeah, that's mm. beautiful. Yep. Hey, fourth question. Uh, let's go for number 19. Number 19 is, oh, this is a good one. I'm so glad you chose this one because <laughs> when I found it this morning, I was like, God, I hope you choose this one. On a scale of one to Mariah Carey, oh. 
Oh. How good are your karaoke skills? Um, I do sing a little bit. Yes, I would say um, maybe, uh, I mean, Mariah Carey, uh, especially All I Want for Christmas is just like, whew, <laughs> she, she up there. Um, I'm probably, uh, let's say about... I'm gonna say about a like a like a Tash Sultana. Okay, what's your song of choice if you were to karaoke? Mm-hmm. Okay, so my karaoke songs are definitely different to the songs I'm capable of singing. Uh, but I would say my karaoke song would be zombie. Like I just want to like grunt, like you know, <laughs> like that real powerful. Get the cranberries back out. But I I love to sing, and it's something that is even talking about it now, I feel myself starting to sweat. I'm like, is he about to make me sing? It's something that I'm very passionate about. Thank you about. for giving me great ideas. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love to share it. I actually have a, a live music and yin class that I'm running because I need help from a partner to be able to help provide the space for me to feel the confidence to share what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. It started with me singing in the car and not thinking I could sing at all mm -hmm. to one night uh, being a little bit, uh, uh, having a, li a little bit of liquid courage and singing a little bit too loudly. And my friends were like, what was that? Uh, and then it kind of progressed. I uh, lived and worked at a meditation retreat center um, in Cambodia. And we used to have jam nights and that was the place where I sung for the first time in front of everyone. And I actually turned around from everyone. I was shaking, my voice was quivering, but I did it. And I'm starting to do it more because I love to sing so much. It just sets my heart on fire, but it's something that I'm the most nervous about, mm. the most nervous I've ever been in my life. So we have a rule of thumb at BU. Yeah. We call them green lights. Yeah. If you're equally scared and excited by something, yeah. it's a green light. Oh, I love that. Yeah. If I were to ask you to sing a line <laughs> or two of something now on air, <laughs> is that a green light for you? Yes, because I want to challenge myself. Go for it. Okay. <clears throat> Any song that comes to mind, a line or two. All right. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, Youth by Daughter. That's like my absolute favorite. All right, here we go. Shadows settle from the place that you left. Our minds troubled by the emptiness. Amazing. <laughs> well done. Great well line. Done. <laughs> okay, and for our last question, yeah. gosh, that was our last one. Now. I was like, oh, what a beautiful way. Thank you so much um, for sharing I'm that too. Um, <laughs> Fifth question, what, what number? I'm going to go number 25. Number 25, yeah. the last one that I put on this. Yeah. Oh, what age do you want to live to and why? Oh, oh, and like age was such a big thing for me. Well, I, we've been speaking about that right? today. I feel like I want to be as healthy and ancient as possible because I was talking about, you know, my age, I feel like it limits me. If I'm 105 and still teaching yoga and educating people, I feel like I'll have that old medicine woman quality and people will just naturally flock to me. So maybe that's a bit of a dream of mine to become this like graceful old medicine woman where people will revere me and maybe that's coming from ego, but maybe that's a bit of a dream of mine. But I just want to be healthy. Mm. And I, when I go is when I go. Mm. And that's why you have to enjoy life because you don't know what could happen the next moment. But you can't live in this fear of, oh, if I do this, I might die. Or, oh, this might happen. And, you know, I just think look after yourself as well as possible, your mental, your physical health, and just accept whatever comes into life. That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you once again so much for coming <laughs> today, jumping on the show. Um, for those who are listening who have really resonated with you and connected with you. Yep. Where can they connect with you more? Like, how can they actually reach out and yeah, start a conversation with absolutely. you? Absolutely. So, I'm starting my own business, which is called The Path to Alignment. So, it's not about enlightenment. Not for me. It's about alignment. How can you live in line with your true being, your true essence? So, there will be a website. So, thepathtoalignment.com. And the two is with a number two. Uh, there will also be an Instagram page for that account. Uh, but I also have a personal yoga page, which is at asana.ashana. So, asana is A-S-A-N-A dot A-S-H-A-N-N-A. So, you know, just to make sure that you've, uh, you're well acquainted with some weird spellings and I'm sure we'll probably have some show notes where we have links there, but yep, we'll be throwing the links in the show absolutely. notes. Absolutely. Feel free to reach out at any point. I am just like with why you and I have resonated really well today. I don't want this to be a business. I never want this to be work. I don't want it to be a career. I want it to be a life. I want it to be a passion. And I want to be able to give back, to help, to share. And so if you want to reach out about anything in particular, even just to, you know, say, hey, whatever it is, feel free to reach out at any point. I'm always there and available to support and um, answer any questions you might have. 
Amazing. And for those listening, I know I'm incredibly excited to, I think this is our first time formally announcing it now, Yeah. Uh, to let everyone know that Ashana has also come on as a guest expert in our Pocket Coach Woo! platform. So Pocket Coach, uh, for those who are listening who aren't on it yet, A, what are you doing? But B, <laughs> uh, we've built a full e-learning and resource hub for well-being and personal development. Yeah. And we put our hands up and went, hey, we don't think anyone has the one-size-fits-all answer for well-being, including us. So a big part of the Pocket Coach platform is our guest expert center where we've asked people to come in and contribute their knowledge and expertise. Shana's jumped on and is doing an amazing series on breathwork. So make sure you head across to Pocket Coach. Uh, it will be in the show notes as well, but you can go to bucoaching.org forward slash Pocket Coach and uh, check out all the details there. There is an unlimited free trial on Pocket Coach Petite. I think we're the first people to ever do that just to go, yeah, stay on for as long as you want. It's free. Or you can unlock everything, including the Guest Expert Center uh, on the full version of Pocket Coach and you'll get a free month on us for being a listener of the show. Yeah. Uh, thank you once again for coming in. Mm. I really do appreciate it. I'm looking forward to continuing making impact together and oh, really absolutely. changing lives together this yeah. year. Um, have an amazing day. Oh, you too, Declan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Be You with Declan Edwards and of course for taking the time to invest in your own personal development and well-being journey. Now before you go, I do have a very quick favor to ask. It would help me so, so much if you could quickly write a review of this episode of the podcast as a whole. Now, there's a few ways to do that. You can either jump onto our Facebook page, just search for BU Coaching, or you can go to Google and search BU Coaching, and you can give us a Google review or a Facebook review. Now, you can also rate the podcast. You can either subscribe and favorite it, or you can rate it five stars in Apple Podcasts and write a little review about it there. Any way you choose to do it helps us help more people. And at the end of the day, that's what this is about, spreading a ripple effect that positively impacts lives. And I know that you've got people in your life who you're thinking, man, they would benefit so much from listening to these podcast episodes. They really need to hear this. Well, here's the thing. We're never going to have a chance to connect. and We're never going to have the chance to help those people if you don't put us in touch with them. So just screenshot that you're listening to the episode, share it on your social media, maybe take one of your key takeaways from this episode and put it up and make sure you tag us because when you tag us, we get to interact with you and we also get to share your content as well. We get to see your amazing takeaways and those beautiful implementations that you're doing after episodes and share them with everyone else, which means that by you taking action and working on your own well-being, you could help inspire others to do the same. So as I said, you can either quickly give us a review or you can share that you're listening to the podcast with everyone on social media. Make sure you're tagging us so we can connect with you. And once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. As always, you know what to do. Make an impact. Start with self and be you.